Hey, it's Nick Walters again with the National Industrial Hemp Growers Digest, a podcast brought to you by the National Hemp Growers Cooperative. And we are always looking forward every month to getting a good legal update on all things operations legally as companies, as well as policy and others as it relates to the hemp industry from our friends at the Bradley Law Firm in their cannabis working group. Uh, with Steinecker and Hunter Robinson. Guys, welcome back again. Glad to be here. Thanks, Ben. Terrific. Hey, uh, let's talk today about the Farm Bill and just about kind of from a policy perspective, because when policy gets created, uh, whether it is or laws or whether it's policy itself actually done by an agency, right, within the laws that are, when the laws get changed, uh, that's where uh, folk like y'all got to keep up with those things to keep folk like us from getting in trouble and, and doing things that we shouldn't do and to make sure we know what the law is about. So I know that there's discussion and things going on with the Farm Bill. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, when, when do we expect the next Farm Bill to be? So I'm happy to jump that to the... Um... The 2018 Farm Bill expires in 2023, so there will be, uh, barring some sort of unforeseen episode, uh, there will be a 2023 Farm Bill. And as you know, the Farm Bill includes uh, an enormous uh, number of provisions that cover uh, wildly varying issues related to agriculture in the United States. Uh, So it's a huge piece of legislation and, and work stamps. is actually right. food stamps to smoke in the bear, right? I mean, in all things, yeah, in the, that's right, that's, that's right. right. And um, four or five years, right? Right, and uh, work has already started. Um, they've been having hearings uh, as early as uh, this summer on what's going to be in the 2023 farm bill, um, and uh, so. You know, now is a, is as good a time as any really to start talking about, uh, you know, what 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 the policy questions uh, will be that will help inform the farm bill. And uh, Nick, you know, you, at the top, you, you you brought up a great point that like when the, when the rules change, it's our job to sort of know what the changes are uh, and advise everyone. This is when it gets a little confusing, even for us, is because right when you get familiar with the new set of rules and 2018 seems like ages ago in many respects um here we go we're getting ready to maybe make wholesale changes to um to the hemp industry uh yet again so it's a timely uh it's a timely period uh to have this discussion because uh by the time it comes out which i suspect it'll be uh in the last quarter of 23 uh it'll 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 be too late to sort of shape the debate. The time to have to to, to be doing engaging in the hard work of policy decisions is, is now, and that's what uh, that's what Congress and certainly lobbyists, uh, big agricultural lobbyists and hemp lobbyists, are doing right now. Absolutely. So, what what are anything just fly out to you? Do you think that you're going to there's going to be some Delta Eight conversation probably about uh, around that? Uh, would certainly be a provision that will be discussed. Definitely, Delta. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Well, I say definitely. I would be stunned if Delta Eight wasn't addressed in some way, shape, or form. Um, 
Congress would have the ability to uh, to uh, to do a wide variety of things with Delta Eight. It could treat Delta Eight just like Delta Nine. It could it could just take the it could take the the phrase Delta Nine out of the definition of hemp, and so just have THC in the definition. And that would uh, remove any differentiation between Delta eight, nine, ten, or anything else. Uh, it could it could do do other things that would informally codify Delta eight as legal, or it could close what essentially is the loophole that allows for Delta eight to exist. Now, um, that's going to be a huge policy choice. That would also probably involve um, views by the uh, by the marijuana industry. Uh, particularly in states where adult use marijuana is legal and purveyors of adult use marijuana are not interested in having uh, Delta 8 uh, in their markets. And they will uh, describe Delta 8 as a, you know, unregulated, essentially gray market um, that's potentially dangerous and, you know, things uh, containing products that we don't know about. Um, There's definitely another side to that discussion, but, it helps shape, sort of shape the debate about uh, what the you know what the industry might look like and, and how their, the bedfellows may shift depending on the issues. But you know, Hunter, you may have a different view on that. No, I think that's right. I mean, it, it would be kind of shocking um, because I think, as we've talked about on this podcast many times before, you know, Delta Eight seems to be. I think there's a very good argument that it is legal under the text of the Farm Bill, and it is almost certainly was not Congress's intent to create that loophole. So it would be, I mean, like anything in Washington, you know, there will be a bunch of kind of coalition building and, and getting votes, but you would certainly think that's something that Congress would want to. Um, kind of answer that question, either closing the loophole or putting some regulations around it. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised. I'd, I'm, I'm not asking for a prognostication on which way it'll go, but I'm just saying I'd be uh, I'd be very surprised to find that if we don't find a title or a piece or some components or somebody trying to, uh, and and probably some of that led by folks who might be um, from health departments and from ag commissions from within the states, right, who have also said. Hey, we've already passed this law at the state level that we've outlawed it. You know, can we just not make it, you know, um, uh, federalize that too? Right. I guess that would be some of the dialogue too. Probably. And I think it's also, you know, what goes into that, right? Because even, you know, from uh, the the kind of cultivator, the farmer perspective is is they like Delta Eight, whether they agree with kind of the the politics, the policy of having a psychoactive hemp derived product. Um, I mean, it makes hemp more valuable. The more things you can do with it. So I think a, a part of that question, too, is getting getting CBD right. You know, that's something I think will be a big topic in the farm bill is putting some statutory um, kind of fix that says, hey, FDA, this thing's a dietary supplement. Regulate it like that or something. And that will um, I was looking just an article I was reading right before you hopped on here. They were saying the difference difference between the projection of the CBD product market was seven billion dollars without FDA oversight by 2027. To 11 billion with it. Wow. So, you know, you get that, and that can kind of, you know, talk about the kind of the horse trading that goes on with any big piece of legislation. You know, maybe that's a horse trade there. It's like, okay, we're going to close up Delta 8, but we'll get CBD right. And that will kind of replace that that supply. Right. 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 Well, I think, I think it'll be really interesting. And I'm glad you mentioned it, Hunter. Uh, the FDA point is fascinating to me because 
it wasn't self-evident what the FDA was going to do back in 2018 because there's a lot of people who the farm bill passed in 2018 that says FDA has oversight uh, over hemp-derived products, but, but they could have just done nothing with that oversight. And instead, they came out almost immediately and said you can't put it in food and drinks as a general matter. Um, and that was a pretty dramatic curb on what people thought I think the market might have looked like. You know, does Congress have the wherewithal? They certainly have the legal authority, but do they, do they have the constitution to, um, to tell FDA, basically, this is how we're going to do it? Uh, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, that's Congress taking, <clears throat> taking on a little bit of political risk there uh, because, you know, the, the science is, is, is definitely developing quickly, but, it's, but there's not a ton of consensus yet on sort of long-term effects of CBD and various amounts on the body. And so, you know, is that a place Congress is going to want to go or are they going to want to continue to uh, defer great, a great deal to FDA? And if so, do they put any extra guardrails around that? I think how that shapes uh, is going to be hugely important uh, because to Hunter's point, it, however they answer that question will dramatically impact uh, the size of the market uh, for the next uh, period of time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, one of the other things that, that, that we're tracking and paying attention to are things like um, uh, the Hemp Feed Coalition uh, and some of the efforts that they are doing to say um, if there are certain um, what they call companion animals, right? Not animals that, that you would ultimately eat uh, or should be eating. Uh, uh, not those that, but if they're a companion, if they're a gerbil or a horse or, a, you know, um, uh, some other, your dog for dog food or something like that, then um, we ought to be able to exempt them right out uh, from any of FDA oversight and leave FDA oversight for their veterinary science and stuff for those things or where you would put hemp meal maybe into chicken feed or cattle feed or, um, you know, Hog feed or something else like that. And I, I think that's going to be something that certainly is going to be uh, a flag wave and hopefully some clarity going on. That could immediately, I mean, the states have the authority to do that right now, as I understand it, uh, that the states could, you know, if their departments of agriculture want to decide that that's okay to put that as feed into companion animals, that they can pull that off. But it'd be, you know, a truckload easier and certainly for the industry if they were able just to just kind of clear that up in one swap. So that's something. I don't know if y'all check that out or not. No, that's all interesting. Well, Go ahead, what? Yeah. Yeah. And it really it underlines the feed and the and the seed parts. Uh and I know I want we want to talk about some some seed issues too. Um both of those get to a really interesting underlying policy question of how we think about what hemp is. Um, and this comes up a lot in cannabis. You know, states that legalize, uh, can, let's say, uh, medical cannabis, uh, they call it a medicine, but then they treat it still like it's a illicit drug for the most part. There's this suspicion of it. Yeah, there's this there's this mistrust of people who who deal in it. 
uh, any trade in it, and that they constantly need to be monitored uh, in a way that you don't see in other industries. <clears throat> and on the one hand, it's understandable because it's it's a sister plan of a drug that's long been uh, subject to uh, federal prohibition, fairly or not. Uh, but on the other hand, it, it, it creates an interesting uh, scenario where the, you've got this entirely legal product and you're treating it uh, completely different from the way you treat other entirely legal products. So um, th- these notions that seem pretty self-evident, like the feeding, the feed question that you just posed, uh, you start to get differing policy choices made by legislators uh, who, who I think uh, just don't quite uh, – haven't quite arrived at the answer in their own mind to the question of what do we do with this product and the people who trade in it. Yeah, I mean, so there, there, because that, that, that lands that there's way more to this than just the farm bill, right? There are people who would not normally – there may be very well be people who hadn't been paying attention to think of themselves that they care about what's in the farm bill because I'm not a farmer. But now when they understand, hey, there's another whole layer to all this stuff that's being affected and what's going on in this farm bill that you may really want to be tending to be emitting here and making sure that you're paying attention to what's going on. Right. Uh, that's cool. So let's talk about the seed a bit. Um, uh, I know that there are several uh, efforts um, going on with... Um, trying to move help away from having to be tested whenever um, the end use is not going to be for any consumption in your personage, right? So if you're going to put hemp into hemp creek or you're going to do, you know, renewable natural gas like projects that we're doing or you're doing textiles or you're doing some other piece, let's just, if the genetics back it up, so those are the arguments, one is if the genetics back it up and the seed can be proven that it's not going to grow hot, not get above 0.3 THC, then we already sent it straight out. So kind of around the idea of certified seed and what that means. The other uh, concept is, well, look, we don't do this for anybody else. Um, we don't make a corn grower do it. We don't, we don't make a, you know, we don't make a, a, a cotton grower do this. Why in the world would we make a hemp grower do that? And so if you can show that that's indeed what this crop is going for, there's kind of almost a, it's almost like a um, self-certification that we're not going to use hemp for, um, um, you know, for anything like, unless it was for like CBD. Whether we do CBD, absolutely do some testing. So I think that's a dynamic that's interesting to follow. It is. And I mean, that's been kind of a long running argument is that, you know, there's 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 different uses of, of hemp that create kind of different risk profiles. And, and the, the, the back end risk profile is what the government really cares about. Right. Um, you know, as we were talking about right before we hopped on and started recording, I mean, I, the, the second option that does not seem like something that would fly to me. And if, and if it did, I feel like there'd have to be some sort of back end regulation. You know, I don't think they're just going to say like, yeah, you can certify that this farm will grow any hot hemp. And then that's it. I think it would have to be some, some something about the final product that gets checked. And I've seen something about that um, as well, not to get off topic, but of, of starting to measure THC content and consumer products themselves too, right? Because, you know, another trick that is, I say trick, it's 
in some pejorative, but, you know, of, of getting hemp that is, you know, legal hemp, 0.3% THC, and you put so much of the hemp in there that you get a chocolate bar that has, you know, 50 milligrams of THC. And that's wow. no different than what you can get just at a dispensary. Um, so there's maybe there's some ways to do that, but the, the seed certification sounds like a, a great option to me because there's just not the same back-end health risk when you're putting something in hempcrete because when you look at the concrete, you don't know the difference. It doesn't, I mean, it just needs to be concrete. Right, 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 right. Or you're, you know, and you're, I guess, you know, <clears throat> it, it, uh, no, and not to play devil's advocate because actually, I mean, I just, I just completely agree that the, the, the certification process seems like a, a really nice way to solve um, just an elegant solution to, to, to a problem that's been around for a few years. <clears throat> but, you know, would you maybe agree to, you know, steeper uh, penalties in the event that, because uh, the government's worried about diversion, right? Well, yeah, you said you're going to put it in t-shirts, but it turns out you're selling it out the back door as hot, uh, THC product that can be used for illicit purposes. Um, so if, you know, most of the people in the industry are stand-up people, I think they would agree. I think they would probably welcome additional sort of penalties and fines in the event that people were abusing that process. You know, give us a chance to do it the right way, and if we don't, then punish the, the bad actors. Um, so maybe you see it gets, um, you know, when it all comes out in the compromise, you got to keep people happy certain ways. You know, I, I tend to not think that more, more testing, more regulation, you know, more, m more hands in the process doesn't seem like the solution. But maybe steepening some of the penalties and fines to really disincentivize people from engaging in wrongdoing would be something that, uh, that most people in the uh, in the industrial side would welcome because it wouldn't be a problem for them. Right. I mean, I think anybody who wants to make sure that we get bad actors out of the, out of the way is good for the industry as a whole, right? I mean, but, but that's a, I think that's a, a, a big piece of it. It's just that, that we're still feeling our way around. We're still trying to figure out, uh, right, what's, what's going to be, what's the industry going to look like? And we also got to kind of keep in mind there is definitely, I mean, within the cannabis world, you certainly have the cannabis that we would just kind of call marijuana, whether it's medical or recreational or whatever, right? And so that's on one side of the fence. And then once you divide that fence over into the industrial uh, uh, hemp usage, then even within the industrial hemp piece, there's now two components that are really kind of tussling back and forth. And that's the CBD world. And then that's the grain and fiber folks. So that much going on to try to get on regulators radar screens, to try to get on members of Congress radar screen, or more importantly, the staff, that work on those issues for those members of Congress to understand part of that, and then throw all that back to state departments of agriculture uh, for them to try to go figure out what it all and where it is at the same time trying to build a marketplace uh, that ultimately wants to purchase this stuff. It, um, you know, this ain't for the faint of heart, right? I mean, you got to, <laughs> you got to want to be in this thing for a while. And uh, uh, so that's- well, I, I, uh... I spent, I spent a very brief portion of my uh, much, much, much younger career uh, working on the Hill. And uh, I can tell you from personal experience, the farm bill is no joke. Um, that is something that every senator uh, and every uh, member of Congress is aware of. Uh, they 
they're planning for it. It is uh, not to carry this stuff too much further, but it is a bread and butter issue for uh, everybody. And the 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 interests that are brought to bear and the the weight of the lobbying is strong here. And the earlier that the the hemp side can figure out what its message is, and, 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 and to your point, the hemp sides can figure out what their message is, um, the better. You know, are there issues where there's daylight between, you know, what the what's called the CBD side and the, the fiber or grain side. Uh, if there's issues of daylight there, then let's identify those. But if, if there's issues where we can lock arms and try to make sure that we you know, can protect, you know, a certain uh, provision or set of provisions that we like, let's do that. Um, those are the types of things that really need to coalesce in the next, you know, three to six months if they really want to, you know, make it into the versions that are, likely to be uh, baked into what will be debated over the course of the next year. Yeah, I think it would be interesting because even if you don't consider yourself a farming state, like, you know, I always wonder what the heck does Connecticut really care about it as compared to Iowa, you know, about a farm bill. Well, we forget about the um, food stamps. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, school lunch programs, right? I mean, these things that are all going to be included in this farm bill, I think it points well made with every, all 535 humans that are up there that have a vote, every one of them has got some constituency that just wants to care about something that is in this farm bill. And I think that's why they want to take the darn thing up every four or five years, because it's too much sugar for a dime to load it all up, and they don't want it all up. they got to wait for the next one. Uh, but when it comes, it's time to, you know, it's time to put on your, 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 your deep waders and get down in the, in the deep water, all right? So, um, oh, yeah, it's great. Well, tell us about what's upcoming uh, on the blog uh, of all the budding trends that we know are coming up on the on the blog that y'all have um, plugged that a little bit and tell us about uh, maybe a preview of something that's coming up pretty quick. Honor? Well, you're the idea man on the blog. That this is yours. <laughs> um, so buddingtrendsblog.com. Uh we've been getting a bunch of different traffic from different places. It's pretty cool how the analytics work these days and you can see the people who are reading these things from just all walks of life. Um and uh we've been running uh, a series of things on uh the various states where um you know, the cannabis programs are really taking shape like Alabama and Mississippi uh, lately. <clears throat> We're always talking about hemp. Uh, I'm still working on my my magnum opus, which is a comparison between the Rolling Stones and the Beatles versus marijuana versus hemp. Um, but that may, that may be finished by the next time we talk, or maybe not. But uh, if you're looking for uh, pop culture references, uh, but also a place where we hope we can offer some thought leadership in an easily digestible format. We hope you'll check out buddingtrendsblog.com. Absolutely. And as I understand that you boys tend to hang out at the Bradley Law Firm. So anybody who wants to learn more about your practice and about um, getting good counsel from folks like yourself, can certainly go to bradley.com and look for the Cannabis Practice Group and, and get y'all's contact information and see more about you and about the practice of what you guys do there. 
for the firm. So thank you all for that. And thank you as always for joining us. If we uh, folks are also interested in learning more about the National Hip Growers Cooperative, we'd love for you to check out our website, which is at nationalhempcoop, all one word, dot U-S. Uh, you can sign up for our newsletter updates there that are not heavy lift and not heavy read, but we get something out every week just to let you know about the things that we are doing and um, follow along about what we're doing to try to build wealth for our members through regenerative agriculture and sustainable development. So until next month for our legal update with Whit and Hunter, this is Nick Walters. Thanks for your time today. Join us again soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Nick. This podcast produced and distributed by MWB Studios.